Hello, Blenders, and welcome to a very special bonus edition of Real Blend. And it's just your guy, Sean O'Connell, the Imagining Director here at Cinema Blend. The other guys are not with me uh, because they are super busy and getting ready for the main episode. But whenever we have a really cool interview with a filmmaker that we know you guys want to learn more about, we put them into these bonus episodes. They don't have numbers to them. They don't have blend games. It's basically just me doing an introduction with Gabe uh, to throw to an uh, interview that we were able to do. So this is with Trey Edward Schultz, the director of a movie called Waves that's been making the rounds on the film festival circuit and is going to be coming to a theater near you. I have mentioned on the show before that this movie really devastated me. Um, But the difficulty is that I can't explain why it was so moving and emotional uh, without giving away key points about the movie. And so we're definitely not going to do that in this episode, and we're really not going to do it in the interview. Uh, Part of the fun of interviewing Trey for this interview is that he knows he doesn't want to give away some of the major beats um, in the film. And so we figure out uh, some really fun ways, some interesting ways to uh, talk about his process and get into the meat of the movie without giving away uh, anything to it. So in a way, I'm, I'm telling you guys to listen to this, uh, go out and see Waves and support this film. It's it's easily top 10 for me on the year. I'm going to try and figure out where it lands. Um, and then, uh, you know, come back to the show, because once we know that a lot of people have seen it, we're going to discuss the film uh, in greater detail, probably get into some spoilers. And this interview will always be there for you guys um, to go back and listen. Listen to. So I was able to sit down with Trey Edward Schultz at the Savannah uh, Film Festival, the SCAD Savannah Film Festival this year. Thankful to those guys for setting this interview up. And so without further ado, here is our bonus episode of Real Blend with our interview with the director of Waves, Trey Edward Schultz. Guys, I have been raving about Waves uh, since I was able to see it uh, in the 919 Film Festival. I've been talking about it here on the podcast, and I am thrilled uh, to be joined here by uh, Trey Edward Schultz. He's in Savannah with me here, ready to show off waves. How are you, sir? Uh, uh, thrilled to be here. I feel great. Good. Thank Very you good. for having me. Of course. It's a pleasure. Um, you could have named this film uh, just about anything. Why, <laughs> Why waves? True. What's the importance of waves or the significance of it to the it, film? It's true. Um yeah, I think uh, for me it's very it's uh, it's it's thematic. You know, I think the movie for me it's about um, kind of the highs and lows in life, and the highs and lows in love, and everything in between. And uh, you know, life has its ups and downs. It has its waves, and uh, you know, the, and then it goes on and on and boring. Like it is in Florida, but then there's like. There's a Kanye song I love called Waves that uh, it's not named after, but it's funny because there's it's about similar things. And uh, I don't know, it goes on and on. But at the end of the day, it's like this thing was brewing forever and I had no idea what the heck the title was because it's about so many things and has so much in it. And then it was like you get a title. It's like Waves. Wait, that's it. Okay. I have the gut feeling. It's right. And then it's right because of this and that. And then, yeah, that's what it is. Is the song in the movie? Uh, the song's not in the movie. Oh, okay. No. Did you ask him? Did you ask him? Can I get it? No, I mean we have another. We have a. We have one Kanye song, uh, and that's the only song we asked for. Um, yeah, I think I don't know. I mean, the movie's not actually named after the song, sure. but it's another. I'm very. I'm very like I believe in things are meant to be. You know what I mean? Like con- connectivity between things, sure. and that they're meant to be for a reason. So. 
it, yeah, just the fact that that song had overlays with what our movie's about. It was like, oh, that's another reason it feels meant to be. Well, and I'll go down this route, too. I wasn't yeah. planning on it, but music is really important to the it, movie. It is. And the way that you stitch your scenes together. Not Absolutely. just the score. I'll get into the score later. Yeah. But talk about how you pick songs and how, how yeah. songs move your narrative forward. Yeah, it's, um, it's, it's uh, you know, it's a lot. The... For this, I think the DNA, you know, this movie's been in the back of my head forever and elements of it. And I think the DNA that it started at were like teens and music. Um, So like for over a decade when I'm listening to music, I've been dreaming about images or like a moment or a scene or something that could be attached to this movie. So I sort of was building this epic playlist um, because I always had in the, in the back of my mind that I thought it would be a sort of soundtrack film, mm-hmm. you know, in the vein of a lot of uh, films I love, like, um, you know, Days and Confused or Boogie Nights or Goodfellas or something. And sure. in the sense of the music is it's sort of it's a character in the piece, you know, and it's a part of the ebb and flow. So I really just thought that was sort of what this movie was. And, and the overall goal was that the music brings you closer Um to the characters, you know, to their world, to their headspace. And uh, and then also, I think if you just took out the music and put it in playlist form that a story is being told from song to song okay. um, that that echoes the narrative that's happening with the movie. Do you have soundtracks that you loved, you know, that just remind you of movies? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, sure. Yeah. I mean, for the movies I just listed right there sure. and many, many more. Um, yeah, I don't, I mean, music's a big, yeah, I love music. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> um, I want to emphasize that we're not going to get into spoilers uh, in got this it. conversation. Uh, because, as I was telling you earlier, the best piece of advice I got from someone um, was don't read anything about this movie, just go. Yeah. Uh, and the best way that you can experience it is, is truly just by enjoying it. Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dance around a lot of stuff. Great. But I want to talk about one of your main characters, uh, Tyler. Yes. Who is beautiful and painful and fascinating. And I want to, uh, his journey is just riveting. Um, so you say you had this story for a long time, so you didn't write him with Kelvin in mind. Well, uh, it, it's layered. Basically, like, this story and elements of it were brewing forever. And, like, it started with all personal stuff. Um, but I will say, before I met Calvin, and be, I think before a few other things happened in my life, like, I didn't, it didn't click into place. It was like, what is this thing? You know what I mean? I didn't, it was, it was like a brother and a sister. And some of this happens, some of that happens, a tragedy, they're linked. And, but I couldn't, I couldn't put it all into a coherent narrative. Okay. Um, and then like, so I never actually like did real writing on it until after I met Kelvin. So I'm, I met Kelvin on my last film. It comes at night. Right. Um, and it was simple. Like I thought he was amazing and and we got along and, um, we only got closer and closer. And then it became like, you know, I love this person. We love each other. Let's make something we love together. Right. And it just started there. So I think the writing really started clicking into place and Kel and I were having these like mini therapy sessions where um, as I was writing, we were like doing text messages and phone calls and talking about um, both our experiences at that point in our lives, you know, as teens and uh, especially like 17, 18, um, you know, you're not a kid, you're not an adult. We talked about and you feel everything. And we talked about uh, dynamics with his father, with mine, with his mother, with mine, um, girlfriends, if we had any, or lovers, and uh, uh, and the pressures and everything else. So basically, 
I think it was like everything coming together and then that collaboration with him that continued through everything that really was like, it's what it all came together to be, if that makes sense. Okay. I, I, How it all finally clicked into place. This kid goes through such a journey. Yeah. And I, my highest compliment I can pay to him without spoiling anything is that he's extremely credible on every stage of that, every step of the way. Good. Right? Good. Thank you. It's just, it's unbelievable. Um, That's all we care about. I want to talk a bit about how your story doesn't adhere to a traditional structure. Yeah. Um, and the, the interesting way that you figured out how to break that and the trust that you have in your audience to follow them when your story shifts gears. Yeah. How can we talk about that without... A great question. <laughs> I'd say it's a... I mean... I will say, like, from just, like, a base level, I love movies. I'm always, I think, trying to get back to how, like, I was when I my mind was blown from some movies at a young age. Okay. Um, Can you give me examples? What are some that still stick with you? The three that always stick with me it, that I saw probably younger than I should have were, like, uh, uh, Clockwork Orange, okay. Raging Bull, and Boogie Nights. Okay. Um, <laughs> Uh, pretty young, fairly young. Up until that point, I still I loved and I was obsessed with movies, but it was all clockwork like, will mess you up. <laughs> it will mess you up because I was like, all I was watching was like Terminator and Aliens and like I mean they're still but they're like big action movies, sure. you know, and like Spielberg and ET and everything else. And then those movies, they just I don't they bl- literally like melted my mind. Sure, it yeah. was like I don't know, I don't know how to. It was like this bigger. Um, this bigger vision or something that's something it's essentially something I've never seen before. Sure. And my mind has been melted. So I think I'm always trying to get back to that. Not that I'm anywhere close, but (laughs) I, at a base level, I want to try to make stuff that feels unique and that I haven't seen before. Sure. So I think just the narrative in the, the, unorthodox nature of the of, of the structure in the narrative, what a huge part of it was that, you know, I think also, you know, probably eight years ago or something, I saw Chunking Express for the first time. And that, that I had, I don't know why it was, well, I do know why it was that movie. Cause I love a lot of two part movies and I love kind of movies with intermissions and diptychs and, but that movie with the love, two different lovers on each half, whatever reason in the spirit of the, of that movie, like it all clicked into place. And I was like, Oh, it could be the waves could be two parts. It could be a brother and a sister. Okay. And, um, yeah, so it was all, all of that good stuff. And, uh, and it just continued to grow and grow to where I ultimately hope, you know, I don't think this is spoiling anything, but I, I think, think you're okay. Okay, good. So far. I, I think it's hard I, to tell cause I've seen it. I know, I know exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I, I got excited about the idea because for me, life isn't always a three act structure, you know, sure. it's, it's, uh, it's unexpected right. and it's messy and it's all over the place. And like, but like the idea of like the movie kind of building to a panic attack and then you have that. And then it, I hope the movie feels like it gives you a hug and let you breathe a bit and try to put things into perspective. Yes. The spirit of that felt true to the spirit of, uh, the way things have gone in my life and loved ones lives. And that just got really exciting to me. I have a great follow-up that I can't ask you now. Okay. Uh, so I'm going to wait till the Q&A. Save it for the Q&A. <laughs> <laughs> when other people have seen it. I love it. Um, I love how comfortable you are in very different genres. Nobody's going to yeah. pigeonhole you at all. Is that really important to you to be able to keep playing in different genres? Yeah, it's a good question. I will say I usually don't start with, uh, at least so far, I've only made three movies. I don't start with genre. Okay. I'd say it kind of starts from the personal and then figuring out 
like honestly, I think my last movie became like a sort of drama horror thriller because I was writing it in grief and it was the emotions I felt were so heavy. The only way to put that into anything remotely digestible was uh, was that genre, you know, so I don't know. Honestly, I do love the idea of just trying to push myself and do something different, but I have no idea where it will go from here. Do you have one in particular you'd love to play in that? Uh, I okay. Honestly, like my dream kind of movie is figuring out what I consider like contemporary, like a contemporary silent film. Okay. Um, cause I love, uh, you know, with cinema started silent, it started with just images and sound. So I love trying to have as little dialogue as possible. And I love like turning off movies and wa- and seeing if a story is still being told without sound. Um, and then I consider some contemporary movies like contemporary silent films. Like to me, like, under the skin or even Mad Max Fury Road, like you could turn the picture off and and feel those viscerally and understand them with the visuals. So I have no idea what that is, but that's, I don't know if that's a legit genre, but that's sort of a dream. Do you find yourself taking out dialogue then as you go through scenes? Uh, I do always think I want to, if I can, definitely, I yeah, I'm trying to think because I don't I definitely don't do a pass where I'm like, OK, I'm going to do a strip away dialogue sure, pass sure. or something. But um, it is just very organic. And I try to I just try to make sure the camera's telling a story and, and everything the, the film grammar of the film is doing is telling a story uh, uh, always, you know, because I'll say this about your cast. Yeah. The camera loves them. Yeah, amen. <laughs> they yeah. are expressive. They're <laughs> and riveting. I think the best cast in the world. They are no. riveting. They're. I'm in love with them, man. There's the scene that is so real, and I, I'll talk about this scene yeah. out of context when um, they're fighting. The couple's fighting, and he's driving, and she's walking away. Yep, yeah. We have all been there, yep. <laughs> right? Thank you. How many times you've been in a situation yes. like that? Yes. <laughs> So the Get funny the thing, the funny thing is even that moment is like inspired by stuff I saw between my parents as a kid okay. and then inspi- like couples fight. Sure. That's a huge part of love. Like it's difficult, like loving and being with another human being is hard and you fight. Right. I think that's okay. Um, unfortunately, I mean, it does get, you know, uh, the relationship uh, goes to some, some very bad places in this instance, but like that. Thank you for that. That scene, I got in the car. Drew and I, we had, we just wanted to get out of the way. We had two cameras going and let them go. And it was like, it it wasn't, it was like we were documenting, you know, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't a movie. It was real and amazing. And they blew, blew me away. Are you a multiple takes director? Uh, not anything insane at all. I'm definitely, I, I'm like as little takes as it takes. Okay. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, I mean, I'd say, I don't know how many, I'd guess. Honestly, on Waves, I don't know if we ever went over, like, nine takes for something. Okay, okay. Yeah. When you got it, you got it. Yeah, absolutely. When we got it, we got it. And then maybe sometimes we can push it a little more, but I don't like to, I don't want to mess it up if you got it. We were lucky enough to have uh, Robert Eggers, who directed The Lighthouse the and The Witch, on the show most recently. What I was most fascinated by his process was that he has it mapped out to the nth degree. Yeah of where his camera's going to be, where everything's blocked. The actors almost come in late in the process, yeah. and he tells them, here's where you're going to be. 
Uh, I don't think you could be like that because of the way that you immerse your camera. So how much fun is it to just figure out in the scene, here's where I'm going to put the camera because I've seen you do some crazy stuff in this movie that is unlike anything I've seen in most other films. Well, thank you. Sure. It's, uh, I I, honestly, I didn't think, like when I was a kid, I didn't think shooting a movie would be the most fun part. I don't know, because I always, I loved editing too and I still edit, but like shooting is for me the most fun part. And I will say... It's a lot of, we prepare like crazy, like Drew, my DP and I, we shot list everything to death, the crew or, and, and we go over it with the crew and the cast and I have, we, like, it's very collaborative. We go over everything and, but then like we show up on the day and we want to be inspired and change and do whatever. Sure. And curveballs come your way, new inspiration comes. So we just want to be ready and feel alive. And ultimately, um, no matter what we're doing, uh, we want to get out of the, so like we want to figure out the technical film stuff, right. but then figure out how to make it feel like for the actors that there's no camera there and they can just be, okay. um, and it's, it's just so much fun. It's exhilarating. Did you hear your, your film without spoiling anything, um, can almost be described as, um, one bad decision, you know, one bad moment. Uh, did you hear a lot of stories like that when you were researching it, when you were putting it together? People, people who have a moment where they just say, if I just made the right decision in that moment, my life would be different. I mean, I think we can all connect to that, right? Like, this is just that escalated to, like, ultimately the worst degree. Um, but I have so much regret in my life and right. so many thi- – the smallest thing. Every day you have the smallest thing. But then you have big things too and you have um, – you know, I th- a lot of personal things too with loved ones and uh, uh, or moments being ingrained in my mind that I wish wouldn't have happened, whether it was me or someone else, you know, and, and seeing it. And uh, it's all that stuff. And in, yeah, and in researching that and everything, it's, uh, it's very much what this movie's about. And I think it's even more of what's uh, this tragedy at the center, you know. I love David Fincher. He's one of my favorite directors of all time. You poach his uh, composers, Trent Reznor Very and Atticus blessed. Ross. <laughs> yes. Very blessed. Tell me how they got involved in the collaboration and what mood did they bring to your picture? Uh, I'm just, again, so blessed. The, uh, they reached out to me, shockingly. Um, I got an e- one of the cool- coolest emails of my life. It was just Trent Reznor's like, reps were like, Trent Reznor wants to meet you. Really? Are you interested? I was like, of course. <laughs> I, especially this movie, too. I remember like tearing my shoulder in high school and uh, filming weird stuff in my backyard and editing it to Nine Inch Nails. And, no like, kidding, really? Yeah. So you get that email that has to blow your mind. It's nuts. And it, but it feels meant to be. It's right. like another... like this is insane. How does this work? But it's like, Oh, of course it does. I don't, you know what I mean? But then, so the perfect thing was like, I'm, I flew to LA and met them and it was just amazing energy right away. And we felt connected and they dug my other movies and I was writing waves at the time and I sent them the script and I was honestly terrified when I sent them the script because it had over 30 like songs embedded into it and none of them were nine inch nails. So I thought they were going to be like, where does our score fit into this? Right. Uh, or and where do we fit into this? And it wasn't. They were they loved the script and they were really excited. Um, and working with them was amazing. It was, uh, and I think ultimately too, it was really like uh, 
the score works in a way the songs don't in the sense of it's like truly the spirit of the characters coming out and I think connecting brother and sister as well. Right. Um, did you approach the scenes in the second half different than the, the, the front half feels claustrophobic. Yeah. The second half feels freeing. Yes. Um, did, did you approach them differently because um, of that reason? Honestly, honestly, I don't think so in the sense that everything we approach is what the character is going through at that moment. Okay. You know, so if it's Tyler, if it's Tyler and Lexus, if it's Tyler and his parent, whatever it is, if it's in Tyler's world and in, in the first section, we're just trying to understand where he's at mentally. Right. And, uh, get you closer to that experience with the camera, with the sound, with the music, everything. So, and the same thing goes to Emily in the second half. So I would say while the tone, um, and every, and everything else is a bit different, it's approached in the same way. Okay. You have a POV shot from her bedroom into his when it's empty. It fucking wrecked me. Dude. Oh, <laughs> it wrecked me. It's so beautiful. I'm so, I want everybody to see this so we can all thank talk about you. it at length. I want to talk about, um, we, we are a technical podcast, if you weren't able to tell that from the questions it. so it's far. Um, I want to get into the very sexy uh, Foley work that yeah. you did in the film. Hell yeah. Because uh, I tweeted this, um, there's a moment in the, in the middle of the film uh, where the, uh, there's a sound that happens, uh, there's a, an event that happens, and, and my audience made a sound that I've never heard an audience make before. Yeah. Um, you very clearly put a lot of, I mentioned to you also there's something very early on with the shoulder popping um, that I was like, oh yeah. damn, this guy's doing something special. Yeah. You put a lot of attention into Foley work, so tell me why it's important to you. I mean, I I do have to say I can't take credit for it because ultimately it's the sound team. Sure. Um, and uh, Johnny Burns, my sound dude, and he's the best in the world, and his team's amazing. Um, but like for us, it's uh, it's I don't know. I mean, it's everything. Like the nuance of a sound is so like the specificity of the right sound goes a mile. Uh, a, a mile further in making a story effective than 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 the wrong sound, you know what I mean? So it's and it's everything from a specific sound like you're talking about to the dynamics of the mix to how we're using the speakers and experimenting, um, and then ultimately like. I'm just going back on it, but it's like, it's just to get you closer to what that character's feeling. Right. So in those moments, my dream is that you're feeling the pain that they're feeling. Right. And I think if we're more specific with that Foley work and, um, and just the nuance of like the specificity of these sounds, I think it's going to be, it's just going to be more immersive and bring you closer to the world they're, they're in. Okay. Um, yeah. Trey and I are going to go to dinner very soon. So I'm going to get yes. him out of the, here on this question. Uh, you've been able to take this film around to a bunch of different festivals, some major film festivals. You've been able to share it with audiences and get their feedback. What's been the best part about this early part of the journey before Waves even gets out to the general public? Ooh. Uh, I would say two things. I would say one is just getting to travel um, with with the cast, like these human beings I love, um, just being, I mean, we were in like Middleburg, uh, a few weeks ago and like, I don't know, it was like late at night and we got a bottle of champagne and went to a fire and talked with like Tang Kelvin and, and it just like connected in a deeper way and all this, like, and like, why are we here? Where are we? Like, we're at this beautiful golf course in like the middle of nowhere with this fire and the kind of things that would only happen in these situations. And like, so that, that is hugely amazing. And then also there's nothing, there's nothing like it, like looking 
an on, like looking people in the eyes after they've connected with the film sure. and talking to them. And uh, we've had some of the most beautiful Q and A's in my life. You know, I don't think the movie's for everyone, but I do think the people that connect with it connect with it hard. And like, just it's so like getting on my phone and searching social media, searching other reactions. It's nothing compared to like looking another human being in the eyes and like feeling their connection. Right. It's one of the most humbling feelings in the world. So that's been truly amazing. That's awesome. When can people see it? Uh, it's going to be New York and LA, November 15th. Okay. And then uh, expanding every week after that. Right. I don't know exactly how rapid and whatnot. It will probably depend on how it does. But I think we're trying to be like limited nationwide by Thanksgiving. Okay. And anyone who listens to this show knows we support the theatrical experience wholeheartedly. Uh, so get off your couches and go see this movie. Please. See it with a crowd because I swear to you, I'm not exaggerating. <laughs> that festival audience made a sound I've never heard them make before. And I realized this guy's got us wrapped around his finger <laughs> at this point right now. And it was great. I mean, I, that's, I go to the movies for that, right? Yeah, I chase that feeling. So uh, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. It was, a, it was a pleasure. Yeah, this was great. Thank you. In addition to thanking uh, our good friends at the SCAD Savannah Film Festival, I want to give a shout out to A24 that worked really hard to set up this time with Trey Edward Schultz uh, and Real Blend uh, when we were in Savannah covering the film festival. And I, they knew I was a huge fan of this movie. Uh, Trey ended up being such a great guy. I think that comes through in the interview. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, head over to social media. Let me know what you guys thought about this chat. Uh, Real Blend, uh, at Real Blend, R-E-E-L-B-L-E-N-D. Of course, follow the guys at Jake's Takes, at Kevin McCarthy TV, and at Sean underscore O'Connell. We'll be back later on with a full episode, uh, which is going to have this week, we're going to have an interview with Jamie Lee Curtis uh, on behalf of Knives Out. And thank you, everybody, for taking the time to download uh, not just the full episodes every single week, but these bonus episodes as well, too, because uh, we want to be able to bring you more interviews like this on the Real Blend feed. And every time you guys um, download one of them, it shows the kind of support that we can get for these one-offs. And we keep bringing more interesting interviews to keep you guys entertained. So until we're back uh, as a full team, and doing a complete episode, Dunkirk. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.